0: Chapter six Part two of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know This is a LibriVox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know, Edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Six Part Two The Great Stone Face by Nathaniel Hawthorne part two All this while the people were throwing up their hats and shouting with enthusiasm so contagious that the heart of Ernest kindled up and he likewise threw up his hat and shouted as loudly as the loudest Hurrah for the great man hurrah for old stony Fizz!" But as yet he had not seen him here he is now cried those who stood near ernest there there look at old stony Fizz, and then at the old man of the mountain and see if they are not as like as two twin brothers in the midst of all this gallant array came an open barouche drawn by four white horses and in the barouche with his massive head uncovered sat the illustrious statesman old stony Fizz himself confess it said one of ernest's neighbors to him The great stone face has met its match at last now. It must be owned that at his first glimpse of the countenance Which was bowing and smiling from the barouche? Ernest did fancy that there was a resemblance between it and the old familiar face upon the mountainside The brow with its massive depth and loftiness and all the other features Indeed were boldly and strongly hewn as if in emulation of a more than heroic of a titanic model but the sublimity and stateliness the grand expression of a divine sympathy that illuminated the mountain visage and etherealized its ponderous granite substance into spirit might here be sought in vain something had been originally left out or had departed and therefore the marvelously gifted statesman had always a weary gloom in the deep caverns of his eyes as of a child that has outgrown its playthings or a man of mighty faculties and little aims whose life with all its high performances was vague and empty because no high purpose had endowed it with reality Still Ernest's neighbor was thrusting his elbow into his side and pressing him for an answer Confess confess is he not the very picture of your old man of the mountain? No said ernest bluntly i see little or no likeness then so much the worse for the great stone face answered his neighbour and again he set up a shout for old stony Fizz. but ernest turned away melancholy and almost despondent for this was the saddest of his disappointments to behold a man who might have fulfilled the prophecy and had not will to do so meantime the cavalcade the banners the music and the barouches swept past him with the vociferous crowd in the rear leaving the dust to settle down and the great stone face to be revealed again with the grandeur that it had worn for untold centuries lo here i am ernest the benign lips seemed to say i have waited longer than thou and am not yet weary fear not the man will come the years hurried onward treading in their haste on one another's heels and now they began to bring white hairs and scatter them over the head of ernest they made reverend wrinkles across his forehead and furrows in his cheeks he was an aged man but not in vain had he grown old more than the white hairs on his head were the sage thoughts in his mind his wrinkles and furrows were inscriptions that time had graved and in which he had written legends of wisdom that had been tested by the tenor of a life and Ernest had ceased to be obscure unsought for undesired had come the fame which so many seek and made him known in the great world beyond the limits of the valley in which he had dwelt so quietly college professors and even the active men of cities came from far to see and converse with ernest for the report had gone abroad that this simple husbandman had ideas unlike those of other men not gained from books but of a higher tone a tranquil and familiar majesty as if he had been talking with the angels as his daily friends whether it were sage statesman or philanthropist ernest received these visitors with the gentle sincerity that had characterized him from boyhood and spoke freely with them of whatever came uppermost or lay deepest in his heart or their own while they talked together his face would kindle unawares and shine upon them as with a mild evening light pensive with the fulness of such discourse his guests took leave and went their way and passing up the valley paused to look at the great stone face Imagining that they had seen its likeness in a human countenance, but could not remember where While Ernest had been growing up and growing old a Bountiful Providence had granted a new poet to this earth He likewise was a native of the valley But had spent the greater part of his life at a distance from that romantic region pouring out his sweet music amid the bustle and din of cities often however did the mountains which had been familiar to him in his childhood lift their snowy peaks into the clear atmosphere of his poetry neither was the great stone face forgotten for the poet had celebrated it in an ode which was grand enough to have been uttered by its own majestic lips this man of genius we may say had come down from heaven with wonderful endowments if he sang of a mountain The eyes of all mankind beheld a mightier grandeur Reposing on its breast or soaring to its summit than had before been seen there if his theme were a lovely lake a Celestial smile had now been thrown over it to gleam forever on its surface If it were the vast old sea even the deep immensity of its dread bosom Seemed to swell the higher as if moved by the emotions of the song Thus the world assumed another and a better aspect from the hour that the poet blessed it with his happy eyes The creator had bestowed him as the last best touch to his own handiwork Creation was not finished till the poet came to interpret and so complete it The effect was no less high and beautiful when his human brethren were the subject of his verse the man or woman sordid with the common dust of life who crossed his daily path and the little child who played in it were glorified if he beheld them in his mood of poetic faith he showed the golden links of the great chain that intertwined them with an angelic kindred he brought out the hidden traits of a celestial birth that made them worthy of such kin some indeed there were who thought to show the soundness of their judgment by affirming that all the beauty and dignity of the natural world existed only in the poet's fancy. Let such men speak for themselves, who undoubtedly appear to have been spawned forth by nature with a contemptuous bitterness, she having plastered them up out of her refuse-stuff after all the swine were made. As respects all things else, the poet's ideal was the truest truth the songs of this poet found their way to earnest he read them after his customary toil seated on the bench before his cottage door where for such a length of time he had filled his repose with thought by gazing at the great stone face and now as he read stanzas that caused the soul to thrill within him he lifted his eyes to the vast continents beaming on him so benignantly o majestic friend he murmured addressing the great stone face is not this man worthy to resemble thee the face seemed to smile but answered not a word now it happened that the poet though he dwelt so far away had not only heard of ernest but had meditated much upon his character until he deemed nothing so desirable as to meet this man whose untaught wisdom walked hand in hand with the noble simplicity of his life one summer morning therefore he took passage by the railroad and in the decline of the afternoon alighted from the cars at no great distance from ernest's cottage the great hotel which had formerly been the palace of mr gathergold was close at hand But the poet with his carpet-bag on his arm inquired at once where Ernest dwelt and was resolved to be accepted as his guest Approaching the door he there found the good old man holding a volume in his hand Which alternately he read and then with a finger between the leaves looked lovingly at the great stone face Good evening said the poet. Can you give a traveler a night's lodging? willingly answered ernest and then added smiling methinks i never saw the great stone face look so hospitably at a stranger the poet sat down on the bench beside him and he and ernest talked together often had the poet held intercourse with the wittiest and the wisest but never before with a man like ernest whose thoughts and feelings gushed up with such a natural freedom and who made great truths so familiar by his simple utterance of them Angels as had been so often said seemed to have wrought with him at his labor in the fields Angels seemed to have sat with him by the fireside And dwelling with angels as friends with friends He had imbibed the sublimity of their ideas and imbued it with the sweet and lowly charm of household words So thought the poet and Ernest, on the other hand was moved and agitated by the living images which the poet flung out of his mind and which peopled all the air about the cottage door with shapes of beauty both gay and pensive the sympathies of these two men instructed them with a profounder sense than either could have attained alone their minds accorded into one strain and made delightful music Which neither of them could have claimed as all his own nor distinguished his own share from the others They led one another as it were into a high pavilion of their thoughts so remote and hitherto so dim That they had never entered it before and so beautiful that they desired to be there always As Ernest listened to the poet He imagined that the great stone face was bending forward to listen to He gazed earnestly into the poet's glowing eyes. Who are you my strangely gifted guest? He asked The poet laid his finger on the volume that Ernest had been reading You have read these poems said he you know me then for I wrote them again and still more earnestly than before Ernest examined the poet's features and then turned toward the great stone face and then back With an uncertain aspect to his guest but his countenance fell he shook his head and sighed Wherefore are you sad? inquired the poet Because replied Ernest all through life. I have awaited the fulfillment of a prophecy And when I read these poems, I hoped that it might be fulfilled in you You hoped answered the poet faintly smiling to find in me the likeness of the great stone face and you are disappointed as formerly with mr gathergold and old blood-and-thunder and old stony fizz yes ernest it is my doom you must add my name to the illustrious three and record another failure of your hopes for in shame and sadness do i speak it ernest i am not worthy to be typified by yonder benign and majestic image and why Asked Ernest he pointed to the volume are not those thoughts divine They have a strain of the divinity replied the poet you can hear in them the far-off echo of a heavenly song But my life dear Ernest has not corresponded with my thought I have had grand dreams but they have only been dreams because I have lived and that too by my own choice among poor and mean realities Sometimes, even shall I dare to say it, I lack faith in the grandeur, the beauty, and the goodness which my own works are said to have made more evident in nature and in human life. Why then, pure seeker of the good and true, shouldest thou hope to find me in yonder image of the divine? The poet spoke sadly, and his eyes were dim with tears, so likewise were those of Ernest at the hour of sunset as had long been his frequent custom Ernest was to discourse to an assemblage of the neighboring inhabitants in the open air he and the poet arm in arm still talking together as they went along proceeded to the spot it was a small nook among the hills with a gray precipice behind the stern front of which was relieved by the pleasant foliage of many creeping plants that made a tapestry for the naked rocks by hanging their festoons from all its rugged angles. At a small elevation above the ground, set in a rich framework of verdure, there appeared a niche, spacious enough to admit a human figure, with freedom for such gestures as spontaneously accompany earnest thought and genuine emotion. Into this natural pulpit, Ernest ascended and threw a look of familiar kindness around upon his audience they stood or sat or reclined upon the grass as seemed good to each with the departing sunshine falling obliquely over them and mingling its subdued cheerfulness with the solemnity of a grove of ancient trees beneath and amid the boughs of which the golden rays were constrained to pass in another direction was seen the great stone face with the same cheer combined with the same solemnity in its benignant aspect ernest began to speak giving to the people of what was in his heart and mind his words had power because they accorded with his thoughts and his thoughts had reality and depth because they harmonized with the life which he had always lived it was not mere breath that this preacher uttered They were the words of life, because a life of good deeds and holy love was melted into them. Pearls, pure and rich, had been dissolved into this precious draught. The poet, as he listened, felt that the being and character of Ernest were a nobler strain of poetry than he had ever written. His eyes, glistening with tears, he gazed reverentially at the venerable man, and said within himself, that never was there an aspect so worthy of a prophet and a sage as that mild, sweet, thoughtful countenance, with the glory of white hair diffused about it. At a distance, but distinctly to be seen, high up in the golden light of the setting sun appeared the great stone face, with hoary mists around it like the white hairs around the brow of Ernest. Its look of grand beneficence seemed to embrace the world. At that moment, in sympathy with a thought which he was about to utter, the face of Ernest assumed a grandeur of expression so imbued with benevolence that the poet, by an irresistible impulse, threw his arms aloft and shouted, Behold! Behold! Ernest is himself the likeness of the great stone face. Then all the people looked. And saw that what the deep-sighted poet said was true the prophecy was fulfilled But Ernest, having finished what he had to say Took the poet's arm and walked slowly homeward Still hoping that some wiser and better man than himself would by and by appear bearing a resemblance to the great stone face end of chapter six part two